Welcome back to Under Pressure, the, the business building podcast for the pressure wash community. Today, I'm very happy to have with me Sean King, AKA Mr. Fence. Sean, nice to have you here with me today. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on here today. A little podcast from the uh, Mr. Fence truck. We are parked at the moment, so let's have a chat. What can I do? Absolutely. So I met Sean at the Stain and Seal University in Tennessee last week, and I heard Sean speak on uh, a lot of, of business uh, you know, topics that relate to the home service industry, no matter what home service you're doing. So these are the, the three C's I loved. Um, you know, oh, you talking yeah. about data-driven decisions. Oh yeah. And one, uh, one other thing that I loved was, um, you know, how to help employees, how you focused on helping Team employees. Team, Team members. members. Exactly. Team <laughs> members. Sorry, my apologies. Step I, one. I did listen. Step yes. one. I love it. Good job. Absolutely. Jay. And then also um, the difference between what was it? It was the difference between profit margin and um, so it's markup and margins. Markups markup and, margin. and margins. Two totally different animals, even though they're actually talking about the same dollars, but from two different perspectives. All right. So these are all the things I want to get into. Uh, Sean had a whole great speech. Um, I know Sean's out in the field today, so I don't want to take up too much time going into your story. But do you want to give us a little bit about your background? Um, You grew up in the home service industry, and that would be a great story to share with our audience. So uh, real quick, the short of it is I've been eating, sleeping, drinking, and dreaming about fence since I was eight years old. So do a little bit of math. I'm 43 now. That's a lot of fence years. That's what that means. Uh, (laughs) So this is what I'm dedicated to, very passionate about. And I am also, I will admit, a slow learner. So that journey uh, in the family business as I grew out of the family business and started my own at the young 20, 21 years old, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And I made a lot of mistakes. And I kept making the same mistakes over and over. Even if I, even after taking classes, going to seminars, being told the right way, just not not fully understanding what people were talking about. So, uh, fast forward, you know, the past few years, I think we're doing a very good job comparatively to the previous twenty. <laughs> okay, so we've yeah. really learned a lot in the past few years. So, biggest fence geek on the planet is is what I would challenge uh, uh, everybody to say. I'm probably the biggest fence geek. I will also share with you a quick tip. Or a quick point, most people don't know. I used to own a power washing business and a staining business. Twice. Wow. Both times decided it wasn't for me and shut those down. It was Mr. Stain, uh-huh, and Stain Pros over the last twenty years. Currently I do not power wash or stain. I leave that to the professionals. I got some friends that are really good at it. Uh, so yeah. I just push the work that way and learn that I'm I'm pretty good at building fences running a fence business, but I don't think I can hold my own against some of the guys in the power washing and standing business these days. Yeah, well, so everything Sean Sean has said about the home services industry that I heard from his speech was absolutely profound. Great insight and amazing stuff for these business owners. So for anyone who listens to this podcast and wants to find you on social media, where should they go look? Because I've seen some of your content and I really want to point some of our audience to go check out your social media. <laughs> Right. So I, I do TikTok. I joke around. I call it a talk tick. I'm old school, right? <laughs> a talk tick thing. But there is the Mr. Fence TikTok, and we have a lot of content there. 
Uh, I'm pretty proud to say we've got like 20,000 followers. I don't know what they're following me for, but we do have a bunch of followers there. Um, we have YouTube channels. So we have uh, the Mr. Fence Academy YouTube channel. And then we have Mr. Fence Tools YouTube channel. So those two channels I think are great resources. And then in the Facebook world, we have Mr. Fence Tools Facebook. We have page, Mr. Fence Academy page. Of course, our company page, Mr. Fence. And then outside of that, we're part of several Facebook private groups, mm-hmm. primarily in the fence world. There are some, uh, like in Caleb Stanisil University, we're in that group as well, sharing whatever knowledge mm-hmm. we we can. Our private group uh, for us is um, Pro Fence Installation Tips and Tricks. So that is our group that we run specifically, even though we're members of many other groups. So hopefully that helps them. Uh, yeah. We also have Mr. Fence uh, Academy.com, Mr. Fence Tools.com, and go Mr. Fence.com. How about that? We're all over the place digitally. All over the place. So if anyone is on the fence about getting into the pressure washing, uh, the fence industry as well, check out Sean's content. Sean um, knows what he's talking about and he's going to help you grow your business. So um, the first thing I want to, the first thing I wanted to get into here is um, what you you said is growing the team and really focusing on your, your team members. So could you tell the story about the lunches that you offered um, that you talked about at Stan Steel University? Because this is a fantastic story that really, yeah. really shows you how to treat So them. at the essence of trying to be successful, like the very core of trying to build a successful business comes down to being different. And I mean being different means being different on your branding being different on how you talk in, to customers, how you take care of customers, how you build your products, how you take care of your team members, be different. I'm telling you, if you can just be different in all those items across the board, then what happens is you kind of start playing in a league of your own. Mm-hmm. And rather than beating everybody up and chasing down the toilet to the bottom, you're kind of on your own turf, right? Uh, so yeah. you want to try to push some of the competition away by making yourself very elite or different. I like these word different. All right? I like the word, I like to steer away from, oh, I'm the best. The best at what? Yeah. By whose perspective at what time? How yeah. about you are who you are and you let others decide that's a great fit to me. They're the best, right? To them. So be different. With that said, with our team members, I was trying to find a way to be different than everybody else that was trying to hire a fence installer. I was also trying to be different and make our business more profitable as a fence company than the average fence company in our industry. So that means I need to look at overhead costs. I need to look at all of the overhead costs. I'm a big numbers freak. We track everything down to the penny. I'm telling you, every single job is job costed. Everything we do in our business, equipment, trucks, is that truck making me money, losing me money, costing me more money this year? Do I need to buy a new one, replace that one, whatever. So, you start looking at team members, which I believe are our number one asset. Our number yeah. one asset, better than any truck, tool, or material, or method, is your team members. If that's our number one asset, we want to focus on that. How do we make that number one asset as highest performing as possible? You know, with cars, you can go put in a better engine, higher octane fuel, better maintenance, slicker tires, aerodynamics. We know what to do to cars to make them go faster or crawl over rocks. We but for, for human beings, for people, 
we don't really understand how to make people work better. Like we just assume that they're going to work just as hard as I would. Well, they're not. Like my team members don't own the company. They're not lying awake at night. They have the family to take care of. So it's not fair for me to think that they're going to look at my company as theirs as a whole. Yeah. If you start looking at what's best for them, change your mindset from what can my team members do for me? What can I do for them? And in return, it's a win-win situation. So looking at data, this is what happened. I'm looking at, I'm looking at wear and tear on vehicles, my repair and maintenance costs. That's, that's directly related to the amount of miles you drive, period. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at fuel costs. I'm looking at performance and the hours worked on the job site compared to the number of jobs getting done in a week. Like there's travel time, there's setup time, there's cleanup time, there's prep time, there's shop time, all that's time. But how much time are we building fence? And I dissected that. It was like about 75% of the man hours were actually building fence. 25% was doing everything else. Yeah. And then look at our mileage. I had GPS in the trucks. I was like, well, our jobs are X amount of distance. We're driving almost 50% of that every day more to go eat lunch every day. So that's, yeah. that's a 50% increase in fuel, a 50% increase in wear and tear on broken parts. That's a 50% increase on windshield time. That's a 50% increase on risk, liability. Every time the truck drives the road, drives down the road, you're taking inherently a big risk that something could happen. Fall off the truck, yeah. somebody can run into you, stuff happens, right? Fault or no fault. So there's 50% more risk just right there productivity if the guys clock out for 30 minute break to go eat lunch we find that they you lose about a one hour of productivity from the time the last nail gun stops firing a nail to when the next time that fires up again it's about an hour and they only clocked out for 30 minutes of the hour the rest no. of the time was strapping down the trailer and hooking the trailer driving to the lunch getting back talking about lunch talking about what you had for lunch going <laughs> yeah. to the bathroom after lunch like all of this stuff and so yeah. If it's if it's an hour and you're and you're only 75% of the time is actually on a job site of an eight-hour day, that's six working hours. You took one of them away. That's one sixth of the day away because of the travel and all of the nonsense happening. However, I know this: they need to eat. Not taking a lunch is a bad idea because we're humans. We need food to fuel us so we can continue working. I, I know you can work through lunch break, but what happens is when you do that, productivity goes down at the lunch and mistakes happen. They go up. So I know they got to eat lunch, but man, my goodness, we're talking almost almost 20% increase in productivity if we didn't take lunch. That's yeah. huge. So the other thing to think about is our team members always want to make more money. Of course they do. Absolutely yeah. they do. And so when we give them a raise of a, $2 an hour, dollar an hour, whatever. They got to pay taxes on that. I have to pay taxes on that. And then they take that money that we just gave them and they go buy their lunch with it. And when they go buy their lunch, they got to pay tax on lunch. We got to pay tax again, right? So that same dollar an hour that I gave them, which is eight bucks a day, cost them tax, me tax, and tax when we spent it. So we didn't get to spend $8. We got to spend the equivalent to like five bucks, maybe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the other thing is, is these guys go and buy lunch, and what do they buy when at lunch? They buy a hot dog or a cheeseburger and a soda pop. So thinking about how I can make my team be the highest performing as possible, we will put high octane. Well, they're not going to go buy the nice food because that's going to cost them 12 bucks, yeah. and they don't have time for it. So you think about it and say, 
one of the other problems we have is attendance, sick time. When guys are sick, because they really are sick, we lose massive production because we rely on everybody to be there. So if yeah. we can reduce sick time just even 10% by putting better food in their bodies, then we win. So with all that being said, I built this big spreadsheet and I did all the math. And like if we cut out lunches and we, we ate uh, at the job site, a good healthy meal, and I provided it for them, I came up with a savings. This is outside buying lunches for every single guy, every single day, the entire day, work, working year. A savings of $32,000 in one year. Wow. Savings, 32000 wow. Now, at the time, I was working on an overhead of about a million dollars a year. So with a million dollar overhead, saving 32000 is 3.2%. That is significant wow. savings and overhead structure. And what did I do? I just let them go to lunch. I'm sorry, that's not 3.2%. Do that math again. That's 0.3%. Sorry. 32,001 million. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. 0.3%. But every point counts. Get my math right. Guys are going to be checking me later. It's 0.3%. <laughs> but that's still savings. That's, that's $32,000 goes to the bottom line, uh, straight to the bottom line. And think about this. It's a twofer. Because, yeah, we're saving money. Yes, they're healthier. They're better-minded, uh, healthier people. But w we start attracting more people because they're telling their friends, hey, at my job, we work four-day work weeks. They give us lunch. They buy our, our attire, our shoes, our pants, our hats, our gloves. We attract more people, right? It's just a win-win. Like, And I just I, I figured it out by – being okay with thinking outside the box. How about that? Being different. Absolutely. I don't know Absolutely. anyone. That, I don't know anybody that, that gives free lunch in the fence world. Yeah. Prior to yeah. us. And I, one thing I want to talk about here is the power of making these data-driven decisions. Sean had a great quote at Stan and Seal University that I wrote down because I wanted to talk about this on the podcast. You said, "What get me what gets measured improves. What gets yep. measured and reported gets improved exponentially." Absolutely. And the key difference between what you just said, the first sentence and the last sentence, is one word, reported. And I, I didn't make that up. I heard that many years yeah. ago, and I didn't really understand what it meant until we started actually reporting data. Uh, what it means is, like, think about this. Imagine watching an NFL football game and there's no scoreboard. It's just out there having fun. Oh, we're yeah. not really playing. It doesn't really matter who wins. We're not going to keep score. Like, think about it. We say that all the time when it's not that important. Oh, we're not going to keep score. It is important. This is our livelihood. This is our business. This is our stress every day. Yeah. Like, it is important. So what we oftentimes do, love, first level of, of successfully running a business is tracking the data. That's like entry level one, uh, 1.0. It's like, okay, now you're tracking data. Cool. It's not any good to be – it doesn't do you any good for all the data to be in your head. If it's in your head every day, you know your numbers, you know the percentages, you blah, 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 and just you, it's not being reported to somebody else, it's not really going to improve. It's going to yeah. very slowly improve. But when you put that carrot out there and start sharing that data, whatever that data is at Matrix, that data by itself – will start to improve because the people are going to be that generate the data now know about the data. I'll give you, for instance, 
we started reporting sections by man hour. That's like volume of work per person on a job site to our team members on a giant screen in the shop. I knew this stuff for years, but we didn't tell our team members what it was. And now they're looking at a scoreboard and they can see themselves, most importantly, their self growth. Yeah. And they can see how they compare it to their coworkers. Huge difference. Yeah, I'm sure. Absolutely. Huge. So we are going to take a moment to hear a word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. You certainly can't afford to give profit away for no reason. But what if I told you credit card processors may be overcharging you and robbing you of profits you've worked hard to earn? It's time to put an end to being overcharged for payment processing. It's time to take back your profits. That's why we've put together a free report, How to Avoid Being Overcharged by Your Payment Processor. Head over to TakeBackYourProfits.com, download the report, and put an end to being overcharged for credit card processing. You've worked hard for your sales, and you deserve to keep it. What are you waiting for? Go to TakeBackYourProfits.com and download your report today. All right, and we're back. So this has been a fantastic episode so far, Sean. Thank you so much for bringing this great information about using this data, reporting on it, and really working it and leveraging it to your advantage. So one other thing that I really want to talk about here is the three C's. Uh, so you said they were choice, chance, and change. Could you explain these three C's to our audience? Right. So again, this is just something that I, I'm resharing. Sean King didn't make this up. I don't even know <laughs> who made it up. But it really resonated with me when I heard it, and I really believe in it, sharing it with everybody else. A lot of things happen in our lives that we feel like they're not our fault or uh, they're unfair, right? More often than not, we remember those things than we remember winning the lottery or something like that when we get lucky. Here's, here's how it goes. We all have the choice to get the chance to make the change. You really mm. want to think about that is 100% we're in, in charge of what choices we make every day. No matter what happens in our life, whatever that might be, we can look at that, whatever it is, and say we have a choice, negative or a positive decision we made. Moving forward, we can't fix what already happened. We cannot cry about what happened. We can't, it's over. What are we going to do right now? What's the choice right now? And oftentimes what happens is we make what we thought was the best choice, which might have been the best choice. No, no argument. However, it's all by chance. Again, this journey that we're running, we don't know the journey. We didn't get to pick up the journey. Life is its a whole other conversation. Yeah. However, if you make the right choices, you won't always get the exact results that you think you're expected to get. But one thing you will have is you make the right choice. You get the chance, right? Chance mm -hmm. to make a change. If you just continuously make the right choices, Chances are the change will happen. I love it. Absolutely. But don't give up on the first time the change doesn't happen by chance. Absolutely. I love that. I think that's a great <laughs> saying. Absolutely. So one other um, great topic you discussed was the difference between markup and margin. And this turned a lot of heads. There were a lot of people who I could tell were mind blown when you brought this up. <laughs> So could you blow our audience's minds? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is like a one-hour class. I'm going to give it to you yeah. in three minutes. So yeah. hold on tight. The really – the the 10,000-foot view looking down on this markup and margin. I'll start off by saying I've been told and I've read that the SBA believes that 
uh, one of the biggest reasons small businesses go out of business is the misunderstanding between a markup and a margin. Um, and the more that I talk about this, the more that I uh, share this idea, the more I see the aha moment and the eyes wide open, I'm starting to believe like that's really, I think, a big deal. Like that's a big problem. And I didn't know it for 25, let's be fair, 30, 30 years, 20, wow. 28, 20 years. I had no idea the difference. I thought they were one of the same. I've been to seminars, been to classes, I've read books. It didn't sink in. But to give you a real short and sweet answer – on what the difference is, one is multiplication and one is division. All right? So one multi, so a markup is a multiplier and a margin is a division. Now, they are of two different numbers. So a markup is a multiplier on the uh, known cost to get a sales price. So let's say if I'm going to use a 1.35 markup or a 35% markup, you take your costs and you times by 1.35. So you have net costs plus 35%, which gives you that markup. The problem is with a P&L, everyone's P&L, I don't, I don't know of anyone on the planet that looks at a P&L and on the right-hand side it says what your markup percentage is. What it does is it tells you what your margin is, mm -hmm. your percentage, that line item, chart of accounts, is of your grand total revenue. So if everything we're measuring in our world is of a percentage of the grand re total revenue, then why are we using a different number up front to try to get a, a number at the end that matches our P&L? Give you a for instance, a big for instance, a 100% markup is a 50% margin. We know this. You can do this on a piece of paper. You can see it. It's simple to understand in your mind. Now, 100% and 50% are two totally different numbers. Yeah. So when you have a conversation with somebody, you're like, oh, yeah, we run a 50% margin. No, you run a 50% markup, which is more like a 32% margin, mm -hmm. Okay, which is a huge difference. Most guys run a 35% markup is what I hear in the industry oftentimes, which means they're best case making a 20 or 21% margin and if the industry standard or your your the higher end profitability companies are running a 10% net that's total net profit afterwards and an overhead cost of 20 to 25 look what just happened there you're at a 35% marge markup you have a zero net profit you've pretty much given it all away because what i told you is 35% markup is like a 22% margin and if your yeah. overhead's 22% zero left so the guys that are using that, I find that they're barely surviving. Cash flow's tight. They're not selling jobs for enough. They're often the lowest bidder. That is by design. They're using the they're using a markup. So we challenge everyone that we coach: zero tolerance for markup. It's not in any conversation. It's not in any sales pipeline. It's on none of our sales team. We take the cost of goods and divide it by the known margin, and that gives you a grand total. Hopefully, that was a quick three-minute top-down discussion. Of a big, yeah. pro big target. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and I had heard you, Sean, talk about this at length. And I just, I want to stress that how important this is for your pricing strategy. What this does for you yeah. to have that mindset, uh, it, it can make you, it can turn you from not not profitable to profitable. So it's a it's a confidence thing. I had a conversation with a client today about markups and using margins. And just the value of being confident mm -hmm. 
And when you bid a job in itself, put the numbers game aside for a minute. When you use a margin, that means you're working off of known percentages off your P&L or budget or forecast. And you're going to start with what you know the job's going to cost you material-wise and labor-wise. Mm-hmm. That's the only two things we need to know. And then use that margin division. And we get a known sales price that we're confident. Whether we're higher than everybody else or lower, at least we know that that's the number mm-hmm. for us, for me, for Mr. Fence. And talking with him today, I, it just kind of clicked. He's like, I feel so much more confident. I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, like, I know it, it is what it is. Boom, move on. That was wow. the point I was trying to make. Yeah, and that, that is so important. Is you don't have to compare yourself with everyone else. Like you said, you just have to be different yourself and then also be confident now in your price. Yep, that's it. All right, 100%. wow. So there's a reason why I'm sure everyone in the audience can see. There's a reason why everyone at State and Seal University was mind blown by this conversation <laughs> because it's a shift in your mindset that you wouldn't think uh, could add so right. much value to your business. So thank you for that. And then the last thing I really wanted to talk about today was um, this something you talked about leasing. Uh, and it really struck me because uh, for cash flow reasons, it's so important to be able to leverage debt. So can you get into that a little bit, right. what, you, what you were saying about leasing? So this is also new to us, about four or five years have been doing this. I come from starting a business with zero uh, debt, like no line of credits, no credit cards, uh, no cash. So we were left... In the very beginning, we couldn't even get a loan, so we couldn't buy a new truck. We would buy used equipment all the time, breaking down. But this thing about leasing, uh, track leasing, that's let's be specific here. Yep. I'm not talking about going to the dealership and leasing a truck and paying 20 cent, two cents a mile for all the miles you go over. I'm not talking about that. You got to go find yourself a track leasing company. We use United Leasing here in Indiana, but there's many leasing companies out there that lease like – I blew my mind when I found out they lease planes and trains and locomotives and submarines. It's like, what? Wow. I, I can't even fathom that. But here's the concept. If you buy something and have a, lo- have a loan for it, uh, that's one thing. Buy another th- with cash. That's another subject. Or lease it. What we're talking about is like trucks and equipment. I mm-hmm. call them tools. I'm going to make the argument and say that a vehicle is not an asset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be on your balance sheet. Uh, but when the end of the day, when you're done with that vehicle, it's really not worth anything. You're not going to put a, in five years, a work truck has really no value. It's yeah. been worked to death. It's done. Okay. The value's minor. The thing is, is that if you go and get, um, a loan, you have to use profit to pay the debt service. That's how this works. That's why guys are like, well, it says I made 50 grand this year, but I got no money to bank. Well, what was your debt service? Oh, I had two truck loans and a mortgage payment. Well, there's all your profit. Okay, it all comes out of debt service. Yes, you can section 179 fast depreciation on the asset. Talk to your accountant. I'm not an accountant. I did all that. Just think about this for a minute. If it's a tool, I want it to earn its keep as we go, and I don't want to take pay out of pocket for that asset, so call it, or tool, and leverage all of my profit on this tool that hasn't made me any money yet. I gave the analogy at the uh, status of experts that imagine you found a rock star team member to come work for you, like the best on the planet. Comes knocking your door like, hey, uh, I'm looking for a job. And you're like, oh my God, this guy would change my world if I bought, if I got this guy on the team. And you agree on a salary, right? And he says, great, I want my first five years salary paid up front today before I start work tomorrow. That's the same thing you're doing when you pay cash for a $50,000 truck. 
Yeah. It hasn't been to a job site yet. You literally paid 50 grand for a truck that's been to one job site. So the first job that it goes to, it costs you 50 grand. The second job, it costs you 25 grand. The third job, it costs you a third of 50 grand, right? It just keeps going. But it gets, it starts um, exponentially getting smaller and smaller differences between the dollar value for every trip. If you lease it, you get to expense 100%. The government says you can lease and you can expense 100% of the cost of that lease in overhead before you hit profit. If you're in a 30 or 40% tax bracket, that's a 30 to 40% savings like that right now on that money that would have gone to the bottom as profit. Then you take that one step further and you have this conversation. I'm going to lease that vehicle for four years. Let's say it's a $100,000 truck. I'm going to put a residual on that truck of 40 grand. That was, I'm going to say that truck will be worth $40,000 in four years when I'm done with it. That means my lease is only on 60 grand. So 60 grand divided by four years plus your interest on your lease is your payment. Oh, and by the way, it's all tax deductible. Like you get, I'm sorry, it's all expensable. All of it. So then you have the bottom line. So you you have a lower payment and you're saving 30 to 40% and you're paying for it as it goes. And when you're done, you just trade it in and get another one and start over. If you bought the vehicle, you may or may not sell it. You probably just hold on to it because you don't have a payment. And you're like, oh, I'm just not. And then they're going to break down. And then all the money you thought you were saving, you just paid in maintenance costs for the next two years. Yeah. It's kind of a wild way of thinking about it, but yeah. um, well, it's, it's a little so, controversial. It's, no, it's, it's so important because you can't think of it as an asset. You really do have to think about it as a liability. Absolutely. Yeah. And a tool. It is a tool. And this track leasing, I think... When you when I heard you talk about it, I said, "Hey, I ha- I said to myself, I have to have you talk about this on the podcast because there will be pressure washers that are absolutely interested in this that may not have heard about it before." So this is track leasing, T R A C leasing. So look that up on Google, go check it out, and see what Sean's talking about. Absolutely, you can you can lease power washers and machines. It don't have to be a truck. You can le- lease equipment. You can, I mean. My power washing business, we leased an air compressor at our at the Mr. Detail shop. I also did car detailing for a while too. But this elaborate air system it was like twenty grand. We leased it. Wow. It was a tool. I didn't have the cash flow. I wanted to le- I wanted to leverage all my cash. Yeah. So you can lease a lot of different things. Yep. Absolutely. Even even used equipment. We've mm-hmm. leased you I have a uh, great all and a lift out here on this job site. I could have rented that equipment. For, I think it was like twenty four hundred bucks a month. I need it for six months on this job, or I can lease it for eight hundred bucks a month, and then have the residual expense the whole thing at the end. Yeah, and still on the and still have the equipment, or buy it out. You could pay the buyout at the end. Yeah, and it's used equipment. So there you go. There's your nuggets. Bunch of golden nuggets. A bunch of golden nuggets. So thank you so much for coming on today. Um, I'm, I know that you got somewhere to be, but I want to ask one more question. With all okay. these resources, all these great nuggets you dropped on us, are there any resources that you would point this audience to? A book, a podcast, and say, hey, if you're looking to grow your pressure washing business, these are the resources you have to go read or, or listen to? Well, if you did, if you don't know Stanislaw Experts University, you need to get to know Caleb and, and that team because it's a huge resource for the for that field, right? I could not imagine being the power washing or standing business and not be plugged in with that group. Get plugged yeah. in with that group. Uh, Kenny Dugan's in that group. Well, Dennis, I mean, 
I don't even live in that world, and I know those guys, and I know they know their content, right? So get plugged into that group for you guys. Now, uh, the Panhandle Power Washer, I just met her for the first time. She's in that group. Another solid, solid person to uh, to follow. The, the book I would tell you to read, and there's a lot of great ones, but I'm going to keep this short, they're real easy, um, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Okay. Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Read that book. It'll have you take a test in the beginning. This book changed my whole mindset. Uh, for me, it, it was needed. Uh, it will allow you to understand how to look at things from someone else's perspective and try to get your emotional intelligence, which is your entire life, yeah. out uh, and put it in perspective. In other words, the sky is blue, right? Why do I think the sky is blue? Because well, I was told that color is blue when I grew up. But if somebody else was told that was green – when they were when their whole life, yeah. they're going to argue until they're blue in the face, green in the face, and tell you, no, it's green. Why? <laughs> because that's what they were taught. So yeah. everything we do in this world, we got to look at it from someone else's perspective. I'm like, oh, wow. Mm. From that point of view, I get it. You're going to reduce stress. You're going to be a better communicator. Life is going to get better if we just do more of that. So that's the book I would tell you to read. And all then, right. of course, follow us for more content. We're all over social media. Absolutely. That's Mr. Fence. You can't miss him on social media. And the two people that he just mentioned, I want to reiterate here. That's Caleb Roth of the Stain and Steel Experts and Trudy Weakham of uh, Panhandle Trudy. Power Wash Supply. That's right. Those two. Yep. And I just met Trudy. So, but I would definitely follow those guys. I'm a fence guy, man. I, I'll be a, this much help to you guys. Those guys be a much bigger help. Oh, yeah. Well, you were a great help today. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on this podcast and drop these golden nuggets. So thank you very much, Sean. Thank you for joining us. Uh, and thank you to our audience for tuning in. It was another great episode. We have Trudy actually is coming in on a podcast soon and Caleb's coming back for another one. So I can't wait for that. Thank you for all awesome. your engagement on social media, guys. I really appreciate it. It's under pressure. PW podcast on Instagram. Give us a like, share, follow, DM us if you need any topics discussed or if you have anyone you want to have on the podcast to get their insight. So thank you very much and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. If you haven't subscribed, go ahead and smash that subscribe button and don't forget to hit the bell so you won't miss our next episode. This episode was produced by Jake Aronson. This has been a Pair Payments production.